Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey, I'm Paul Stevenson, and this is VRP Rocks, the ultimate classic rock podcast that says that my music is better than yours. Make sure to subscribe to VRP Rocks on your podcast app right now so you don't miss a single episode. They come out each Monday and always feature big-name rock stars that found fame in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. If you're a new listener, then please check back through the catalogue. There's an awful lot of interviews for you to enjoy with the stars telling their amazing stories from their legendary careers. Now, today's episode, though, it's another My Five Favourite show. I launched this feature a couple of weeks ago with John Ilsley from Dire Straits, and we chatted about his personal five favourite Dire Straits songs, and that episode has gone down a storm. It's already in the top ten downloaded VRP Rock shows of 2023, and it's had thousands of views on YouTube as well. So if you haven't checked it out yet then please make sure you do so today's show then is on the same line and it's with another legend another rock and roll hall of fame guest a man who played in the legendary group that featured eric clapton jeff beck jimmy page and contributions from john paul jones too yes you've guessed it of course it's the yardbirds and i'm delighted to welcome back to the show the band's drummer throughout that magnificent british invasion swinging 60s birth of rock period jim mccarty i spoke to him previously on vrp rocks you can check that out on episode 49 if you scroll back so as i said today we've got jim back to tell us more wonderful stories from his time in the yardbirds as he reveals his five favorite songs from his time in the yardbirds now who better to pick them than the man that was there side by side with those legends helping to write and create the music that's so revered today We discuss the songs, those famous members of the band and their contributions, how the tracks came together and what they mean to Jim as well. But we open up the conversation with a quick chat about his new single, which he's just released. Something a little bit different. It's called Breath of Wind, and he wrote it about the connection he still feels with his wife Lizzie, who sadly passed away a couple of years ago. So here you go. I hope you enjoy this wonderful chat rolling back the years to the 60s and the days of the Yardbirds with this warm, chatty English gent... Jim McCarty. 
So your, your new single, which is, is out now, it's called Breath of the Wind. It's an exclusive download single, and uh, it's it's a nice, intimate kind of song, isn't it? So tell us a little bit about this song then, Jim. Uh, well, it, it's interesting. This is my first uh, solo uh, single as a download, um, which is interesting. <laughs> I don't know what to expect. Um, <clears throat> no, but I, uh, I did it. It's all to do with... Um, my experiences I have with, with my wife that passed about three years ago. Uh, and um, I, I really looked into it after she, she died and uh, uh, managed to uh, communicate with her through various, uh, you know, in, interesting mediums and um, reading up about uh, near-death experiences and all that. So, uh, the results I got were so were so great, and I thought I have to write about it. So, I, I wrote a book about it called uh, "She Walks in Beauty" with uh, Dave Thompson, the the rock writer, and um, and I did this song, and I I, I sent this demo song to a, 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 a US medium, Suzanne Giesman, who did a session with me, and she said. Uh, Oh, I've got your wife here, and she said you've written a song for her. Well, I, I, I like, I'd like to hear it. So, I, I sent it to her, and she said, "Oh, yes, this is this is beautiful." So I carried on, and, and I sent it to the demo to Hugh Syme, who's a, a guy I've worked with before in uh, the states. Actually, now he's Canadian, yeah. and he's very good on arranging. But he's famous for doing um, album covers, designs for Rush, and um, Aerosmith and other 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 bands, and he's a very very good arranger. And I was very pleased when when I got the the song back about eighteen months later. <laughs> <laughs> it took a little while then, but just touching on, on on the paranormal because it is a fascination of yours, isn't it? And it's something that you've you, you've delved into before. And as you said, with the book, we we had you on a couple of years ago when you spoke about the book as well. So so where did all that come from then? Where where did your interest in all that come from? Uh, well, gradually over over time, I've had various experiences and lots of interest and lots of chats about it, especially with Keith Ralph, the, the old singer of the group. Um, and we've written various songs uh, with that in mind, things like happening ten years time ago and things like that. And um, but I, and then we, my wife and I, studied Buddhism for a while. Uh, but it, it never really hit me until she died, and then all of a sudden, it became a, like a, a new reality for me. And I, and uh, it was right in my face. And I thought, well, I, I I'm really going to study this now. And uh, and I was fortunate; it was quite a revelation. Indeed. And as we said, we had you on to talk about the book, She Walks in Beauty, and, and this song really does follow on from it. But uh, in terms of the song itself and the structure, you've got a boys' choir in there, you've got different sorts of instruments as well. So it's not just a kind of straightforward rock song, as people might perceive having not heard it when, when we say the name Yardbirds. <laughs> well, exactly. It's, uh, it's not like the Yardbirds at all. I, I guess if it's like the Yardbirds, it's more like Still I'm Sad or something like that mm -hmm. from the Yardbirds. But um I think he did a great job. It was a, a very, very simple song. Um, basically, just just me on, on on acoustic guitar, you know, with a couple of chords. And um, he, he's done a wonderful job uh, arranging around it, you know. And do you enjoy and writing the? Oh, sorry, I was going to say, do you enjoy writing these songs? Have you got any others that you, you're kind of working on? 
Well, I, I, I might, I, I'll see how this goes, but I might work upon, upon that sort of thing. I've always liked very evocative things, you mm-hmm. know, very evocative music. And um, uh, if, if people like it, I might develop it and uh, maybe do some more and do an album. That would be, that yeah. would be great. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, in terms of the books as well, obviously you, you did a book before She Walks in Beauty came after that. Is, are you working on anything like that in a writing sense? I I haven't really got any more ideas from a book, but um, you know, you never know. I might go completely the other way, you know, <laughs> write, write a police detective or something. <laughs> those are those are the books I like to read, you know, police detective books and all that. But um, paranormal's always got a great interest for me. There we go. I'm sure you can link that in together somehow, then, Officer McCarty. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So as we said, that's a Breath of Wind. It's out now to listen to, download, and you get all the usual places. So please do check it out. It's a fantastic uh, song that Jim's uh, written and composed, and and Hugh's put together a fantastic arrangement around it. It's a fantastic song. It's a fascinating song to listen to as well with the backstory and everything. So please do check it out now if you can. So, Jim, we've Hi. also got you here to, to chat about the uh, the wonderful Yardbirds as well. Obviously, we've heard some wonderful stories from you the last couple of times you've been on. But this time we're doing a little series called My Five Favourites. And uh, we, we can't really go wrong with your five favourite songs from the Yardbirds. So we're going we're gonna to get a list that you have come up with. These are your choices. They're not my choices. They're not listeners' choices. These are your choices. And who better to ask than the man that was in the band himself? So we're going to start with the first one that you've got down here on your list. And it was the first song that really was a big hit for the Yardbirds. It was the first one that went to top 10 here in the UK and in the US as well. So tell us about this first one you've chosen. Uh, for, for Your Love. Well, it, it, it was great. It, it's got a good story because um, we, we tried to get a hit. Uh, we'd been uh, playing around, you know, in the 60s and building up a big following and um, we were quite popular, but we hadn't had a hit single and all the bands got hit singles, you know, The Animals and but obviously Beatles and Rolling Stones and the Kinks, they all had big singles and that's what you needed, you know, to, to, to really keep going. Um, uh, and then we tried various songs that never really happened uh, and we were playing actually with the Beatles at the Christmas show in, in, in London in 1964 uh, and there was a publisher there and he had a, like a demo disc of For Your Love from uh, from Graham Goldman from uh, Manchester, he was, yeah. uh, and he got it over to Giorgio Gomelsky, our manager, and we, we all went up and had a listen, and it was it was unusual, very very strange sort of song, but we we all loved it, apart from Eric Clapton, who <laughs> who didn't you know he wanted to keep playing blues. Uh, uh, and so uh, he eventually left the band, but uh, we, you know we got a big hit with it, and uh, I think it was number one in in a couple of charts anyway. Yeah. And that that really put us on the map, you know. That's what we really needed at that time. Absolutely. And you mentioned that obviously Eric left there. He's a, a legend. Everyone knows him nowadays. But how did you feel at the time about Eric leaving? Because obviously a member of the band leaving at that point when you're trying to make it big. I mean, how how, how was the feelings amongst the, the rest of the group at that point? Um, I think it was all due to come, you know, because uh, we, we, we sort of had had a big personality split, really. And he was very much on, on his own. Uh, against the four of us, you know, if we were travelling in a van, he'd be sitting away from us and 
uh, he obviously was thinking about another direction in his life. And um, I, I think someone like him, you know, he has to run the, run the show. And, you know, it's very difficult for him to be in a band and be in a, be in a team. I mean, he was okay for a while while he was uh, learning his trade, so to speak. But uh, he was always going to make it big. I think he always had that sort of desire and that... Uh, that impetus, you know. <laughs> Indeed. And in terms of the song itself, I mean, it's got a great little drum break in the middle for you as well. And and obviously the Yardbirds are known as a guitar band with the legends that have been in there, the guitarists we, we're going to speak about. But uh, it's really strong for you on the drums as well, isn't it? Well, I, yes, I like that. And that was in the demo. That was in Graham's uh, original uh, demo of the song, um, you know, the original recording that he did. Um uh, and it just it just suited us, and I could put a little drum fill. I I won't tell you where I got it, <laughs> but I nicked it from somewhere. <laughs> Go on, <laughs> like spill the beans. Spill the beans. Where did you get it from? <laughs> well, it was from Brian, Brian Bennett actually, because I always loved the Shadows, and um, Brian uh, Tony was a great drummer. Tony Meehan, of course, but uh, that 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 little fill I think was from. Brian, Brian Bennett somewhere. That was in one of the Shadow songs somewhere. <laughs> Maybe not oh. quite the same. I, I might have done something to it. <laughs> Fantastic, but you owned it. That's a, that's a great first choice then for, for the pick of my favourite favorite, five favourite songs from the Yardbirds. Let's move on to the second one. And um, this is an interesting one as well. I really love this one. It's, it's interesting because of uh, Jeff's guitar sound on this next track. Yeah, so well, this was our, our follow-up. and. Um, uh, originally, this was going to be with a sitar playing the, the riff at the beginning, uh, because the sitar was very much in vogue in those days, and um, we loved that sort of Indian music, and we loved Ravi Shankar and all those guys. Um, and um, we got to the studio, and there was a sitar all set up with with tablas, a tabla player as well. Okay. They were all in the vocal booth. And we tried it with the sitar, and it was it was quite nice, but it didn't really have that punch to it. You know, it was too laid back. And Jeff Beck said, "Oh, I I can do this. It'll sound a lot better on the old fuzz box." <laughs> so he did it, and it suddenly came to life. And um, that that was the feature of the song, really. That that uh, opening riff, and it was it was another great song, also written by Graham Gorman. Oh, there we go. And we probably should mention the name of it, which is? A Heart Full of Soul. Heart Full of Soul, indeed. A great tune, indeed. Now, in terms of um, like the, the putting together in the studio, as you said, you had the, the sitars and things in there. But uh, but Jeff's um, influence on the group at this stage was, was really coming through, wasn't it? Oh, yes, yes, yes. He, he loved different sounds and he had lots of uh, different pedals, you know, um, he had the uh, and the fuzz box was the one on on that particular song and he loved all sorts of weird and wonderful sounds and he he loved people like Les Paul you know and um, uh, Barney Kessel jazz uh, jazz guitar player and he he loved all the Beach Boys uh, pet sounds all that stuff you know all the sort of electronic sort of things yeah. so he wasn't just a blues player. He really went for sound, and I think it was him that gave the Yardbirds their, uh, you know, what people call the psychedelic sound. Mm -hmm. 
of the band. So, uh, you know, he, he gave the band its, its sound that people remember. And how did you find Jeff then? Obviously, Eric had left at this point. So how did you recruit Jeff into the band? Well, we, we wanted Jimmy Page because J- Jimmy used to come and see us. And we met Jimmy and he was a nice guy. But he was very busy doing um, studio recordings, playing around London studios, playing on all the old records in those days. Uh, and he wasn't interested in joining a band. So he said, oh, well, I recommend my understudy. Uh, you know, this guy, Jeff Beck, who does sessions when I can't. So, uh, and he was playing with a band uh, over Eel Pie Island in Twickenham um, called the Tridents. So Giorgio went down to see him and uh, we got him in for an audition. And he, he was great, obviously. <laughs> and it just, did he fit in straight away with the band and the sound and the direction that you were wanting to take the group at that point? Uh, absolutely yeah absolutely maybe his image didn't quite fit he was a bit rough looking (laughs) he had to to go and cut his hair you know and get some uh, new clothes (laughs) because he was like covered in in oil and from going under his cars you know because he loved he he loved uh, maintaining cars and uh, hot rods and all that stuff Indeed, indeed. Uh, moving on to the third song on, uh, that you've got on your list then, and uh, this is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's one of the songs that shaped rock and roll. We're talking about shapes of things with this one. Uh, yes, yes, yes. That's, that's a good story because uh, uh, it coincides with us going to the States. You know, we'd had a few hits and we were part of what's called the British Invasion and uh, we were really accepted as a real sort of big time. We were very popular when we went there. And um, it was Giorgio Gamowski's idea to go actually go into uh, Chicago, into chess studios. And, uh, that, of course, that was a dream for us where all the blues music had been done. And uh, so we went in there and uh, we had this idea that we worked out quickly in the, in the rehearsal room and a basic idea. And we went in and... Uh, we did it, and then, and then, of course, it was Jeff again that did a great solo on it, which was uh, sort of mind-boggling. <laughs> <laughs> he, he overdid, he, he did two tracks of uh, guitar solo, and, of course, it was one of the great solos of all time, really. That's interesting as well. You mentioned the solo, because I was reading about it, and he tried a few times, didn't he? He wasn't quite happy with the way it came out. And then the one that he hit on, he says, um, I, th- I'm think- I think he was quoted at one point to say there was a bit of hysteria in the studio once he'd hit on that one, because everyone knew that that was the one he'd got it. Exactly, and uh, he used the feedback, and uh, it was a very simple sequence, it was sort of building up, you know, and it was all very exciting, and it, it was great. Yeah, yeah. And again, great, you mentioned the time. feedback. I mean, that's one of the first songs that did have kind of real prominent guitar feedback within the songs and, and used as a, as a strong structure of a song as well, wasn't it? Yeah, that was the big thing with Jeff. He loved he loved feedback. And uh, I think it was him and Pete, Pete Townsend that were the feedback specialists. <laughs> <laughs> Two legends indeed. Um, right, let's move on to number four then. 1966, we're going with this one. Uh, over, under, sideways, down. So why have you chosen this one? Uh, well, it's another Jeff story, actually, because, um, well, first of all, we we used to travel to gigs and we were, uh, we, we used to listen to, you know, radio, rock and roll radio on the, on the BBC or wherever it was, or maybe on a pirate station. Uh, and there was this, um, I can't remember the DJ now, it's gone out of my head, but he, he was, uh, 
he was a rock old rock DJ and he, he used to play rock and roll. And um, I think it was like um, Rock Around the Clock. Oh, the yeah. Bill Haley, Bill Haley. We, we heard and we got into that and we thought, oh, Rock Around the Clock, this is great. We should do a boogie, you know, like this. <laughs> and so we, we, we quickly improvised a song around a sort of a boogie and we went in the studio and we did another hit. And actually, uh, Jeff played the bass, so he played the boogie. And uh, him and me just played a sort of a track, you know, a rock, sort of rock, rock boogie, rockabilly type of track. Um, and then we played over, we dubbed over the, the chords and the, the, uh, and the vocals and all of the lyrics and everything. And it, it came out really well. And then, and then we needed an intro, uh, a guitar riff intro. We say, oh, come on, Jeff, do an intro. <laughs> and he did that classic intro, you know, which was like, out of this world, and uh, we thought, where does this come from? This is crazy, but it really fitted in really well. Incredible. I mean, how how were you feeling? How was the group feeling at this stage? Because obviously, the, the, you've, a few times you've mentioned the fact that oh, we need a, we need a solo, oh, we need an intro, we need, it. and then Jeff just comes up with this magic. How how were you guys feeling when he was doing this? <laughs> well, it was very exciting because. Uh, the chemistry in the band was really good, uh, and uh, we seemed to be able to produce a good song. I mean, particularly Paul Samuel Smith and Keith Ralph and myself, mm-hmm. we could we we could get a, a decent song together, and then Jeff would just you know put the chair, the icing on the cake. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, and he was always available to do to all that, and he was quite happy to do that, and. Uh, uh, and then he sort of gradually, gradually became a bit disillusioned with the band. He seemed to want to play with, uh, you know, better, better class musicians and things. So <laughs> he was going to be a soloist as well, you know, which he was. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. And just mentioning in the lyrics there, I read something about um, producer Simon Napier-Bell had said that the original lyrics were over, under, sideways, down. That's the best way I've found. But they decided to change it to not risk the wrath of censors. Now, is that true? Uh, oh, I see. Yes. Well, I haven't heard that, actually. But I, that's, a, that's a story I haven't heard. But it, yes, it could have worked well have been. Oh, <laughs> Quite a good one, isn't it? Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> right, and then we'll move on to number five, and this is the first song with uh, kind of the dual guitars of Jeff Beck and Jimmy Page together. We've got happening ten years time ago. Yes, this was this was great as well. Um, it, it wasn't such a, an immediate hit. Uh, uh, it didn't really become a hit. It, it sort of became a like a cult hit, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it didn't go right up the charts straight away, uh, but people always talk about it as being a you know, legendary psychedelic single. Uh, uh, and um, Keith Ralph and I had had written the, the basic melody together because we were writing together, Keith and I. Uh, and we came up with this sort of minor, this minor chord progression and this tune, which was a bit sort of Eastern. And then we said, oh, well, let's do a song about... Uh, you know, uh, li- living before and living again, you know, about reincarnation, really. Um, so we had all the song. And then when we went in the studio, um, uh, Je- Jeff and Jimmy, uh, Je- and Jimmy Page came up with the uh, this, this great riff, and made it really rocky. And, of course, Jeff did his wonderful solo and 
<laughs> feedback and the whole works and <laughs> uh, and a few sort of talking bits in there as well. Yeah. You mentioned <laughs> there the, the, the rockier sound of it. I mean, it definitely does have a harder sound to this song, doesn't it? Yes, yes. And um, John Paul Jones played bass, yeah. uh, which it, which didn't hurt, you know. Uh, uh, and I played a sort of a pretty Motown beat. Then we had we went into a middle section, which was in a different time. Um, I, I'm I'm very proud of this song, you know, because it's very interesting and it's got it's sort of got a good uh, a good lyric and a good tune and great playing. You know, it's a good one. Absolutely is, and and just talking there, we, we've mentioned Eric, we've mentioned Jeff, and and Jimmy involved at this point. I mean, what what did Jimmy bring to the group at this stage? Then when he joined after Paul Samuel Smith left, well, he was always great on the riffs. You know how he was, he was a very creative guy. Um, I, I, to be honest, he couldn't really play like Jeff. He, he wasn't that creative like him, but he worked it out and he thought things out a lot more. But uh, Jeff really played off the top of his head, very much more spontaneous. Uh, but 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 Jimmy was great at thinking that you know up those little riffs. Of course, he he came up with those great riffs with the Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he was the real riff king in a way uh, for that sort of rock stuff. Uh, and he you know he he got it together. It did. And what was the again? What was the feeling within the group? Because obviously, changing members and dynamics and things like that, and and the band didn't last much longer after the, the two of these guys came together. But uh, what, what was the dynamics like at that point in the band? Uh, the dynamics when Jeff left were quite good because uh, Jeff was very moody and it was he he was quite difficult to work with sometimes because you never knew what mood he was going to be in and. Um, he, he took all his problems onto stage, you know, and uh, he was very stressed and wound up most of the time. But Jimmy wasn't like that. He was very relaxed and very sort of businesslike, and he, he was used to playing in the studio. And um, so the four piece worked quite well. But of course, it was uh, it was suffering because we didn't have that chemistry so much. We didn't have that creative input, and we're. And then we went down the wrong road with Mickey Most and did some horrible singles. <laughs> and at the same time, we were all worn out, you know, uh, from uh, from touring and playing every night. And <laughs> that was the way it was. You had to play play every night to make any money out of it, really. You know? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Jim, it's been a pleasure chatting with you again. And, and just to remind everyone to do, please go back and check uh, your new single, which came out recently. Um, it's a fantastic song. It's very different. It's very eclectic. It's got lots of different sounds in there you probably wouldn't expect. So please do check it out. Thank you. Thank you very much. There you go, the lovely Jim McCarty there. A fascinating dive into the band's back catalogue and some really interesting choices and reasons for choosing them as well. To think he played with Clapton, Beck and Page all in one group is incredible, isn't it? I've got a few more stars recording their five favourites, which will be available in coming weeks, along with so many other big-name guests still to come as well. It's been quite the run of VRP Rocks lately. The last few months we've had guests on who've been members of Rainbow, Dire Straits, Scorpions, Twisted Sister, Jeff. Throw Toll Status Quo, as well as guys like Steve Vai and Kenny Aronoff and Peter Frampton. Some great interviews with wonderful classic rock stories. Please do take the chance to scroll back and give them all a listen. Make sure you subscribe to 
VRP Rocks on your podcast app as well so you don't miss any future episodes. They're released every Monday. Please leave VRP Rocks a five-star review on the podcast app that you use. It makes a really big difference. It really does. And check out VRP Rocks YouTube channel and social media channels too. But that's it until next week's episode. So until then, take care. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.